team, so versatile. I mean, Katie's not here, so Franklin takes over. When Franklin comes to pray, Nick takes over. Beautiful. Beautiful. God is good, isn't he? God is good. And you are blessed. I'm going to tell you, you are blessed to have the talent in this church that you have. Let's pray before we turn to the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your goodness to us. But we thank you for your word. And we thank you for both the Old Testament and the New Testament scriptures. And we just pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us, that you would open our eyes to what you have for us. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Marsha, for reading from Joshua. I was actually going to do a scripture from Deuteronomy, and it had names in it I don't think I could even pronounce, so I said, well, we'll we'll go with something that isn't so difficult to read. But I also have a verse from the New Testament that I want to share, and that's from Hebrews 3.14. It says, we have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. And I just want to share a few thoughts with us this morning. We'll come back to Joshua here. Staying strong, finishing strong, finishing well. You know, it's one thing to start strong. It's another thing to finish strong. It's one thing to start a race running well, running strong. It's another thing to finish that race running well and running strong. The ones who give up partway through will never see the end of the race. It's another thing to start building a house. And if you drive around the countryside like we do from time to time, you will see where houses have been started, where people have started building and building and never finished. It's sad, isn't it? It's very sad. And I shouldn't say anything. I've got some crochet projects that I've started that I'm still in the process of of finishing. (laughs) I I get them finished, but we keep having one great-grandchild after another. So right now, I'm in the middle of making Afghans for the new great-grandchildren that are coming. But think about it for a moment. Think about it. It's one thing to start and to start strong. It's another thing to finish. This past week, one of the great preachers of our time passed away into eternity. Dr. Charles Stanley, 90 years old, passed away into eternity. And I'm going to say here, regardless of any differences that we have in theology, His life and his ministry stood the test of time. Over and over and over again this week, I have read testimonies on Facebook regarding Dr. Charles Stanley and his faithfulness, his steadfastness, his adherence to the word of God to the very end. He never gave up. 
He didn't quit. He stayed strong. And that's a challenge for all of us, isn't it? That's a challenge for each and every one of us to stand strong and faithful to the Lord. I know people who have not. I had a very, very dear friend. She hit the age of 82, and she says, I'm done. I'm done. I'm finished living. I'm finished doing the things I've done. And so her life kind of petered out to the very end. I don't know about you. I want to finish strong. I want to finish strong. And our portion of scripture gives us some lessons that will help us to finish strong. But before we get to that point, I just want to share something. Rudy and I took a ride a couple of weeks ago. We went down I-87, down to the Lake George area, Queensbury, Glens Falls, Saratoga, did some shopping, ate lunch at Olive Garden. We had a great time away. And I'm going to tell you, I love driving through the mountains. When I went to college in Allentown, Pennsylvania, I knew when I hit the mountains down there on the north way, I knew I was getting close to home. When I saw Poca Moonshine, I knew I was getting really close to home. And then when I saw the apple orchards at Peru, I knew it was only going to be a few moments. But I love the mountains. And as we were driving back up through the mountains, my mind started wandering. My mind started thinking. Usually I fall asleep by that point, but my mind was really active, thinking about some of the individuals from the Word of God who stood strong to the very end and some who did not. And the one that really came to my mind was Moses. I thought about Moses, and I thought about, as I looked at those mountain peaks, and you know, you come around one curve, and the view is more spent spectacular than the last, but I thought about Moses. Moses, the man of God. Through God's mighty power and intervention, God, Moses was able, through God's power and intervention, Moses was able to lead the people out of the land of Egypt, across the Red Sea on dry land. He was able to lead them. God gave Moses those Ten Commandments, gave him other commandments, the law, enabled him to build a tabernacle for the people where they could worship God, a tent of meeting where he could meet with the people. God used Moses in mighty, powerful ways. He really did. But I'll tell you something else. The scripture is very clear about the people in the Bible. Moses had times when he got frustrated. He got frustrated with the people of Israel. They were not the easiest people to work with. They were not the easiest people to deal with. They were hard-necked. They were stubborn. They were rebellious. And over and over and over again, Moses had to deal with their rebellion. He had to plead with God to forgive his people when they sinned against the Lord. But you know what? There were times when Moses did things that he should not have done. Towards the end of his life, they were getting close to entering the promised land. And what happened? God told Moses to speak to the rock so the people could have water to drink. And Moses got frustrated. And you know what? You and I get frustrated at times, don't we? <laughs> we do. 
But instead of speaking to that rock, what did Moses do? He struck that rock with his rod and said, must I bring water out of the rock for you? Was God pleased? No, God was not pleased, was he? God was not pleased. He should have just spoken to that rock, but in anger he struck it. And as a result, he was denied the privilege of going into the promised land. But we do see at the end of Deuteronomy that God allowed him to go up into the mountains, to go up where he could look across and see the promised land. Must have been bittersweet, right? Because he was seeing it. And oh, what a beautiful land it was, a land flowing with milk and honey. But because of his one brief act of disobedience, he would be denied the privilege of going in there. Wow. But who was given that privilege of going in? Who was given that privilege of going in? Joshua. Joshua. Here's another part of the story, and I'm kind of out of sequence here, but Moses has sent in 12 spies to check out that promised land. One from each one of the tribes of Israel. And they went in for 40 days, they wandered through that promised land. And when they came back, out of those 12 men, there were two different reports. 10 said, we can't do it. We can't do it. Oh, it's a nice land, okay. And they had even brought back grapes and pomegranates and other things from the land. But we can't do it. The people look like giants. There's giants in the land. And we look like little itty bitty grasshoppers in their sight and in our own sight. We can't do it. But there were two. There were two who said, with God's help, with God's help, we can go in and conquer that land. Who were those two? One was Joshua. Who was the other one? The other one was Caleb. These two said, yes, we can. With God's help, we can. And I'll tell you, there came a judgment, a time of judgment at that point in time. God was not happy with those naysayers, with those who came back with that negative report. And they were punished severely. In fact, God sent a plague and they died before the Lord. The rest of the people of Israel who were led astray by the negativity of those 10 men, God said, those 20 years old and older will not be able to enter that promised land. They will all perish in the desert. Wow, those 10 spies who gave the negative report, they died right then and there. But over the next 40 years, those Israelites who had disobeyed God, who had not had the faith to go in, were punished. Their bodies were strewn throughout the desert. Finally, Moses died there on that mountain. We're coming here to Joshua. And Joshua has been given the opportunity, the position of succeeding Moses. 
He had been Moses' right-hand man all along, but now he was being challenged to go in and to help the people take possession of that land. This takes us to the scripture reading that Marcia read for us this morning. We see here in this scripture from Joshua chapter 1 that Moses had died. Joshua is being commissioned to take Moses' place. He's given instructions to follow. And he is told very clearly, if you do these certain things, you will be prosperous, you will be successful, everything will go well. But if you don't, watch out. No, I, I don't think he says that, but there's that warning there, isn't You have to do what you're told to do in order to be prosperous and successful. And there are several lessons I want us to focus on, and they're brief. The first, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Let me ask this morning, where does our strength come from? Where does your strength come from? In fact, we invited a friend to join us this morning in a number of, oh, probably about a year, year and a half ago. He messaged me one night, late at night. He said, Judy, can you give me scriptures on where I can find strength in the Lord? So I compiled a bunch of scriptures, and, and I have shared it in a couple of different Bible studies, but over and over and over again, we find that instruction from the Lord, be strong and courageous. But I also want to bring out Ephesians 6.10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, we've got some people here that are pretty strong. I watch, I, 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 I'm going to brag, I watch Brandon moving the logs that he moves when he's cutting down trees. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> some of you can't do it. I have all I can do to pick up some of those pieces and put them in our, our fireplace so we can stay warm. But even the strongest, even the strongest among us are not strong enough to do some of the things the Lord calls us to do. That strength, that courage has to come from outside of ourselves. It has to come from the Lord. And this is what God told Joshua in verses 6 and 7 and 9, be strong and courageous. This is verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And then verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. And then verse 9, we're probably most familiar with verse 9, aren't we? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What a challenge. What a challenge. Be strong and courageous. We are living in challenging times, aren't we? We are living in difficult times. I have had to deal with some things this week I never thought I'd have to deal with. And I knew the only way I could get through some of those things was to rely upon the Lord. He says, be strong and courageous. But he doesn't just 
command us to be strong and courageous. He promises to give us the strength we need when we need it. Isn't that good? Isn't that wonderful? The second thing I want us to see here, be careful to obey all the law. Verse 7, and again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. To obey, to do what you are told to do. How many of you have raised children or are raising children? Children need to learn to obey. And I'm going to be honest with you, we are reaping the consequences of a generation that has not learned to obey, that has not learned to do what they have been told. And that will reap consequences for many, many, many years to come. But be careful to obey all the law. It isn't enough to know what God expects of us. It isn't enough to know what God expects of us. We need to go obey his commands for us. I've known people who can quote the scripture, who have read the Bible over and over and over and over again, who can quote the scripture over and over and over again, but who do not live by it. If we are to know the blessings of the Lord, if we are to be prosperous and successful, we need to not only know what God's word says, we need to do what his word says. We need to obey it. Number three, we need to be people of the word. We need to be people of the word. And we have read verses 7 and 8 already, but it says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. We need to be people of the word. We need to immerse ourselves in the word. I'm going to tell you something. I learned a lesson the hard way a few years ago, and I wish I'd learned it sooner. I became a Christian back in 1977. That's a few years ago. I gave my heart to the Lord. Um, it wasn't in a church. It was at the campgrounds out in West Shazy. One of our family friends said, Judy, would you like to go to camp meeting with me tonight? And Reverend Norman Wilson was preaching that night. And some of you have heard of him, have heard him speak. He used to preach on the Wesleyan Hour. And I went, and I'll tell you, the Lord spoke to my heart, and I went to the altar, and I gave my heart to the Lord. That was a long time ago. And I've endeavored to walk with the Lord ever since. But one of the things I endeavored to do was to read the word. In fact, as a pastor, I have encouraged people when they've come to faith in the Lord, give them a Bible, and it's like, go ahead, start reading. <laughs> Big mistake. Because if we start reading a book, the Bible, like we do any other book, it's easy to get bogged down in all the genealogies, all the laws, all, all the Old Testament things. It's really easy to get bogged down. We need to read the word. 
I am leading a Bible study at a recovery center, and I am learning. Some of them have never had the Bible. I'm learning, give them one verse at a time that goes along with the theme for the week. One verse, two verses at a time. Here, take this, concentrate on this. And God is working, and God is blessing. But we need to immerse ourselves in the Word. Don't just keep it on the shelf. Take the Bible off the shelf. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Get into the Word. And let the Word get into you. I I worked for a man who knew the Bible inside out. He could quote scripture after scripture after scripture. But then he'd turn and molest me. It needs to be not just here. Okay? It needs to be in the heart. We need to let it change our hearts. One day, I was doing Bible study at the Vilas home. And I was privileged to have people from all walks of life. We had the organist, the man who had been the organist at St. Peter's Church. We had a retired priest. We had people who had come from many different areas of the country. We would faithfully read the word of the Lord and study it. And I still remember the day we were talking about Nicodemus from John chapter 3 and being born again. And I remember sharing there that afternoon and people wanting to know what it meant to be born again. And I'll tell you, some of those people that day, the knowledge went from here to here. I think the biggest change, and I hesitate to say this, but I think the biggest change was in that retired priest who was there. He had studied it. He had taught it. But to see that change take place in his heart and life. We need to be people who not just read the word to get the head knowledge. We need to let it change us. We need to let it transform us. The word that he uses here is meditate on it day and night. And that word is an interesting word, and I still remember Pastor Ralph Chapman sharing with us what that word meditate means. And he described it as a cow chewing its cud over and over and over again, thinking about it, ruminating on it, over and over and over again, trying to discover the many, many different meanings of it. God's word is powerful, isn't it? God's word is powerful, God's word is active. But you know what? It accomplishes nothing when I just leave it on the shelf, when I don't open it, when I don't read it, when I don't study it. I know some of you have visual problems and have been able to get an app on your phone where you can have it read to you, but we need to be people of the word. God's word is powerful, like a double-edged sword. It teaches us about God, about Jesus, about life. It teaches us how we need to live lives that are honoring and glorifying to God. It equips us to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. And even, and I didn't give Jessica this verse, but even over in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the word of God as part of the armor of God to help us to stand strong against the enemy. God says to Joshua, let that word come alive for you. Know what it says and live it. The last thought Remember who is with you. 
remember who is with you. God promised Joshua that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. There are times when Moses would meet with God on the mountain, he'd meet with God in the tabernacle, he'd meet with God in the tent of meeting, and he'd come out of there, his face so aglow that the people couldn't even look at him. His relationship with God was that, was that precious. And God is now saying to Joshua, you know what, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I am going to be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 9 is precious. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The other day as I was putting the sermon on my computer, on my old computer, I looked to see if I had any of these scriptures on there. and I found Joshua 1.9 from the New Living Translation. And I have read the New Living Translation. I like to compare translations when I'm studying and preaching. But this one really hit me. It said, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I like that. We have the promise, and I've always seen that promise. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. But you know what? What is this saying? He, God is with me, is with you, is with me right here and right now. We can look towards some future day and say, well, God's going to be with me down the road, down the pike. But you know what? Whatever you are facing right now, he is with you right now. Isn't that wonderful? And isn't that powerful? It hit me so hard. I, I shared some of this on Facebook yesterday. But he is with you. He is with you. Over and over again, God promised his people that he would never leave them nor forsake them. He promised that he would always be with them. There was no place where he would lead them that his presence would not be with them. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? You know, there are times when we feel God's presence with us in undeniable ways. And then there are times we may feel like we're all alone. Does that mean God isn't with us because we can't feel him? We can't go by feelings, can we? We have to go by faith. Whatever we face in life, he is there. He is with us, whether we feel him or not. And he will never, ever leave us. There are times we may feel like we are all alone, but God assures us that we are never alone. He is always, always with us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back to the front. I want to add another thought in here. <clears throat> I want us to go back to those 12 spies. Ten died because of their lack of faith, their unbelief, and for leading the Israelites down the wrong path. But there were two, that there were two that came back with a good report. There were two that God blessed in mighty ways. Let me say, when Joshua and Caleb courageously stood alone in their belief that they could go in and conquer the promised land, they did not do so alone. God was with them. And God stood with them and eventually honored them for their faith. Joshua would lead alongside Moses during Moses' life. He would be Moses' right-hand man. But eventually, after Moses' passing, 
Joshua would have the privilege of leading the people into the promised land and receiving their inheritance. But what about Caleb? Caleb is one of those little-known characters, but after they had gone into that promised land, Caleb went to Joshua and said, you know what? I may be 85 years old now. Anybody here 85? <laughs> 85 years old. He goes to, to Joshua and he says, you know what? Remember when we went in and spied out that promised land? Remember the promise that God gave that I would have that hill country? I'm ready. I'm as still as strong today as I was then. Give me my possession. And Joshua gave him the blessing and said, go in, go in and take it. And with God's help, with God's strength, with God's courage, Caleb at 85 went in and took his inheritance. And God blessed and honored. I think that's amazing, isn't it? I think that's amazing. God blessed them. Even when they stood alone, God blessed them and brought them to the point where they would go in, where they would not only see the promised land, but where they would inherit what God had promised to them. Wow, that's amazing. I love the story of Caleb. I love the story of Joshua. But it's a challenge for us too, isn't it? Let me ask a question today. Let me ask a few questions. What about you? What about me? What about us? Are we living strong and courageously? Are we obeying God? Are we obeying everything he has called us to do? Are we in his word? Are we allowing his word to dwell in us, to live in us? Are we enjoying his presence with us every step of the way? Are we seeking to make every effort to not give up, but to hold steady to the very end? Like I said earlier, it's not enough to start strong. It's not enough to start strong. It's not enough to run well part way. We also need to hold steady, to have strength and courage in the Lord, to walk with the Lord, and to finish strong. And with God's help, with God's help, we can do that, can't we? With God's help, we can do that. May God help us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for this challenge this morning. Thank you for the lives of these men of faith, for the reminder that whatever we face, it may not be and it will probably not be what these men face, but whatever we face, remind us that we can stand strong, firm, and steadfast as we stand strong in you. You will give us the strength, the courage we need. You will help us because you promise to always be with us. Lord, you know each one of us here this morning. You know what each one is facing. I do not, but you do. Lord, give extra courage to this one who needs it today. Give extra strength to the one who needs it. Give the assurance of your abiding presence the one who feels like they're struggling alone. Lord, may today be a, a great day of victory as we seek to walk closer to you. 
And as we seek to continue on the path that you have us on, Lord, help us to stand strong and stay strong to the very end. Be with us in these closing moments as the worship team leads us in song. Just speak to our hearts and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.